great is thy faithfulness. Father, we thank you for allowing us to have this incredible opportunity. What an incredible God you are. We are just so thankful. Words is sometimes hard to find to try to describe exactly who you are and what you have done. But we just thank you this morning. We truly do that we have this opportunity. Bless everyone, Lord. Bless this time together. Let your dear, sweet Holy Spirit use my mind to think in and my mouth to speak from that same Holy Spirit to work in all of those who are under the sound of my voice this morning, that we will be blessed beyond imagination. Give us, O Lord, this spirit of understanding, this spirit of deepness that we are allowed to understand, but more importantly, share the power that is in your word. Now, move me out of the way so your perfect message can now go forward. We thank you ahead of time for the victories we're about to experience because of your word. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say it. Amen. Three categories of thinking. Three categories of thinking. We started last week with an introduction to this particular series. And we talked about the Egypt that forgot. The important part of understanding this, again, we can look at it geographically and see that these are places that actually existed. Egypt, Canaan, the wilderness, all of these places. But we wanted to get a spiritual in-depth view of what these places mean to us because we're not in Egypt. We're not in the wilderness. We're not in Canaan physically. But these three categories of thinking do affect us today because there's a certain mindset that existed in Egypt. There's a certain mindset that existed in the wilderness. And there's a certain mindset that existed in Canaan, the the land of milk and honey. So we want to make sure that we understand where are we at in this particular transition? How can we help others? But more importantly, to make sure we know where we are are in these three categories of thinking. So today we wanted to tackle the idea of what was the thinking in Egypt? What is the Egypt mentality? What does that look like? What does it feel like to have the Egypt mentality? Well, Egypt was a place during this time period that was governed by slavery. So there was oppressed people. There were oppressors in this place. There were taskmasters. And people, especially the children of Israel, did not have control over their circumstances. So sometimes when we don't have Jesus, we don't have control over our circumstances. Our sin life, our fleshly life rules us. And you don't have anything that would allow you to be able to transition through that. Now, what made this one so unique is that both the oppressors and the oppressed... And the taskmasters in Egypt were all slaves to sin. They all had maybe different statues of of, of placement in society, but they were all still slaves to sin. The oppressor thought he was better than the oppressed. And because he had the power to oppress the other people, that was the only standard he could go by. That was his only identity, is the fact that he had the power to oppress. The oppressed people maybe thought it was their life, their, their future to always be oppressed. 
And the taskmasters thought it was their job to carry out the desires of the oppressors. So you have this unique situation taking place in Egypt. But here's the kicker. I need us to get this. They are all slaves of sin. They all are living in an environment that is governed by something that is artificial and not real. How do we know? Because God only created one group of people. He only had one mankind. He only created one and he created us all equally. But in this environment, they had this idea of power or authority over others. They had a victim mentality. They had the taskmasters mentality. I hope you're understanding me today because in reality, it works the same way today. God created one race of people and he created them all equally. Now, until we really get that understanding, guess where we live at? Yeah, that's right. We live in that Egypt mentality. We're kind of stuck there because we try to use stuff that is not real to make a difference between what is mankind. So. Um, we're going to go to a verse that I think is going to be important for us, but I need you to understand this. God made a promise to Abram, even before his name was Abraham, that he, that his descendants would go into the land of milk and honey. They would go to Canaan. The beauty of this is this promise to Abram was given 400 years before God actually sent Jacob excuse me, Joseph, to Egypt. Now, Joseph goes to Egypt because his brothers are threw him in a well. He ends up in Egypt, and he ends up as the second person in charge of Egypt. Now, he is able to save them from the famine that is taking place in the world. So, Joseph is in this unique situation. But here's the kicker, and I need you to get it. The promise of Canaan was given to Abram, Does God keep his promise? God always keeps his promise. So in between the promise given and the promise fulfilled are a bunch of different entities and circumstances that take place. This will determine what mentality we are living in because depending on what you're facing, depending on how you perceive the situation will determine what mentality you're in. I sure hope you're understanding me today. When If you think... That you are better than someone else. Guess where you are? Egypt mentality. If you think you are less than someone else, guess where you are? Egypt mentality. If you think your job is to keep the oppressed oppressed, guess where you are? Egypt mentality. So listen to me. It's a place you can't stay because based on the promise given and the promise fulfilled, there is an inevitable transformation that's going to take place. The children of Israel, the oppressed will no longer be oppressed because God is going to free them. Are y'all still here this morning? And when that happens, how does that affect you? What is your identity? What is your mental concept when this transformation begins to take place? Let's go to a couple of scriptures. I pray God you're understanding me so far. Listen, let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to read from the Amplified. And uh, listen, um, thank you for spending time. Thank you for listening. 
And I'm telling you right now, this particular series is going to bless you if you open up your heart. If you open up your mind. If you are prepared to transition from Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land, you will not be sorry. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 3, beginning to verse 7. It says, and the Lord said... I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters and oppressors. For I know their sorrows and sufferings and trials. Hear me. Listen to the scripture. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand And power of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a land good and large, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hevites and the Jezubites. Now, behold, the cry of the Israelites has come to me. And I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the Israelites, out of, G- out of Egypt. So God didn't say to Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so you can him can have this conference. You and him can have these series of meetings To determine if he's going to let the people go. No, God sent Moses to Pharaoh and told him exactly what to tell Pharaoh. You're going to let my people go. Now, I need you to get this today because when God makes a promise, he fulfills his promise. So. If we are the Egyptians, let's say we're the Egyptians, we're large and in charge in Egypt. When we receive this message, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be well received. How do we know? When Pharaoh heard, Pharaoh took a stand. Pharaoh went, hey, man, I don't know who you think you're talking to, but this is me. And I need us to get this because when transition happens, when change happens, we have the tendency to look at the immediate or the temporary and we forget about the fulfilled promise. Let's read on. I think this will help us even more. Let's go to our next verse. Ephesians, I mean, Exodus chapter 5. Is this helping you so far? Listen, it says, Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. So Pharaoh is in a position of power. And in that position of power that was fed to him as a Pharaoh, he considered himself to be God. And because of his experience in in his positions of authority and power, no one was able to test that. Or the shake the foundation of which Pharaoh stood on until Moses and Aaron come. Now, all Moses and Aaron said was what God told them to tell him. 
So in his position of authority, he didn't feel threatened. You know, Satan has a habit of not feeling threatened when we just come to him on our own. When we just, hey, man, stop. No, he don't have a threat of that. He has power. He knows he has power. So he's not frightened when we just come to him talking. But when we come speaking as Moses and Aaron did, I'm not coming in my position, Satan. I'm coming in the position of the God who sent me, a God that is greater than you. Is anybody hearing me today? See, I I need us to get this because, see, sometimes we stay locked up in a position of fear, of doubt, of worry, of concern, and all those things that we don't need to be in because Satan is holding us hostage. We still believe that he has the power to change the fulfilled promise. He cannot change the fulfilled promise. You will go to the promised land. He can't stop that. But his only tool is to make you have fear, to make you have concern, to make you have trepidations based on the stuff that you see that is temporary. Is anybody hearing me today? You see these temporary kind of situations and you think temporary means forever. You know the difference in definition of temporary and forever. Nothing can stop God. But let's read this because it's important. It says, but Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord. Neither will I let Israel go. Well, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Pharaoh. Just knowing not is not going to help you. But I need you to understand something else. Even the children of Israel at that time may not have knew not. They may not have known exactly who God was. I need you to know this today. I need you to understand because maybe you are sitting right now not actually knowing who God is. Not knowing that he is the Alpha, the Omega. That he is the beginning and the end. And when he speaks, stuff comes into existence. Do you know that God? Because if you know that God, then what will arrive with that knowledge is a certain level of comfort. A certain level of peace that will guide your footsteps on an everyday basis. Because right now, there's enough craziness happening in the concept of Egypt that's happening in the world that is totally out of control. At least it seems that way. But again, promise given, promise fulfilled. The promise will be fulfilled. Where do you stand? Do you know this God who gave the promise? Do you know this God who will fulfill his promise? Do you know him? Because if you know him, you're going to walk a little differently. Somebody say amen. And they said, listen, because it says, and they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go. We pray you three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord, our God. Lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. The king of Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) said to Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their jobs? Get to your burdens. Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now, the people of the land now are many and you make them rest from their burdens. Is God a burden bearer? 
Will God take your cares? Does he tell you to cast your cares upon him? Will he do that? See, the God of Egypt doesn't. The God of Egypt, Satan. Satan wants to put more on you. More than what you can bear. At least he thinks he can do that. I need you all to get this this morning. Satan wants you. He wants to press you down. He wants to put stuff on you. What is he putting on you? He's putting fear on you. He's putting doubt on you. He's putting all these things on you. I need you today to, to, to put your feet, plant your feet in this gospel of peace. Make up your mind today that the promise given is the promise fulfilled and nothing can change that. So when you get caught in the midst of the battle, you have something to stand on. You got a shield of faith, a belief in this God. You have to know God. You've got to know that he doesn't promise like the world does. You've got to know when he tells you something, he cannot lie. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Can you stand on that promise today? Can you believe that promise today? Well, then listen to me. In the midst of the battle, there's going to be all kind of stuff that's going to happen. You can't go by the temporary. You must go by the eternal. The promise is fulfilled. Now, Pharaoh is acting accordingly. Pharaoh is acting in his position of authority and power, which has never been challenged before. So he is having a hard time with this authority being challenged. He's having a hard time with all these events taking place that are challenging his authority. Oh, but God is doing a great thing, is he not? Listen, he's not, he doesn't want to leave out Pharaoh. He wants Pharaoh to bend the knee. He wants Pharaoh to make up his mind, to give up, to surrender to something greater than him. That's why all these tests happen. The staffs turning into snakes and they turn their staffs to snakes and, and Aaron's staff ate up all of their staffs, all of their snakes. All of these tests, all of the things that took place, the plagues. God is pushing Pharaoh to bend the knee. But Pharaoh in his position of power and authority doesn't want to bend. He doesn't want to give. How about you today? See, we all grow up in a world that gives us concepts about who we are and what position we have in life based on some things. Sometimes things eternal. Sometimes the family we were born in or how much money we have. And we think those things will insulate us from the realities of God's fulfilled promise. God's fulfilled promise says that we are all one people. That he came, that equality would be the word of the day. Same thing in Egypt. It's inequality run by Satan. And God is going to change that. So when that change begins to happen the foundation of how all these things are set up begins to shake. Where are you at as this thing shakes? Where are you going to go? Do you know God? Do you believe in him today? Can you settle yourself on what God promised? A land of milk and honey. A land of safety. A land of beauty. That's what he promised you. Are you willing 
Are you willing to do what it takes to make that transition? We're still talking about the Egypt mentality. I hope this is helping you today. Read on a little bit. It says, the very same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers. You shall no more give the people straw to make brick. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of the bricks which they made before you shall still require of them. You shall not diminish it in the least. For they are idle. That is why they cry. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Pharaoh is so confused. He is so confused. He thinks they're crying out because they're idle. No, they cry out because they're oppressed. I don't know about you. This brings to me Romans 7. When, when, you know, the things I don't want to do, those are things I keep on doing. <laughs> and the things I want to do, those things I don't do. What did Paul say? Paul said, who will save me from this? That means he had no control. He was under these pressures, under these dictates. Then he said, thank God for Jesus Christ. Listen, Satan is in the midst right now doing his thing. Remember, we said it before, our battle is not with flesh and blood. But with spiritual places, spiritual powers in high places. So if that's the case, then Satan is active. What is he doing right now? Egypt is being transformed, is being shaken. And his power, his authority is being challenged. And he doesn't like it. So what is he going to do? What he always does. Let me put more burden on the people. Let me lay more fear on the people. Let me lay more doubt on the people because I know that's what motivates them. Oh, I sure hope y'all are hearing me today. It's no mistake that the level of fear is about as high as it's ever been. Why? Because Pharaoh knows a change has happened and he don't want to lose his power. Y'all still here today? Now, here's what I need you to remember. The oppressed the oppressors and the taskmasters, all of them are the same. They just don't know it yet. They're all the same and they're all trapped as slaves to sin. But God is not done. God is going to work it out that they all walk into the promised land together. Somebody say amen. It says, let heavier work be laid upon the men that they may labor at it and pay no attention to lying words. You know, it breaks my heart to see people when we confess, we sing great songs like God reigns, God reigns. We sing great songs about how he is above all things. How nothing can stop him. We sing these songs, but somehow that message gets diluted when it gets to our minds and our hearts. And then right in the midst of trouble, right in the midst of power struggles and all those kind of things, we develop a fear that is greater than our faith. God promised. God doesn't lie. In this situation, when Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, it was already done. It wasn't going to be a negotiation. It was a fact. 
It's going to happen. So I'm telling you now, it's the same promise. God has not forgotten. God can't forget. He loves his people. So he sent his son to save us. To save who? To save the oppressor. To save the oppressed. To save the taskmasters. He sent his son to save us. Now what we have to do is take our minds off of what Satan is trying to do and put them back on the throne. See, the Egypt mentality is trapped in Egypt. We can't stay trapped. Let's go to another verse that will help us. Y'all, y'all okay? Praise the Lord. I, I hear you. I hear you. Some of you are writing notes so fast. This is coming from Exodus chapter 12. It says, tell all the congregation of Israel... On the 10th day of this month, they shall take every man a lamb or kid according to the size of the family of which he is the father. A lamb or a kid, meaning like a goat, for each house. And if the household is too small to consume the lamb, let him and his next door neighbor take it accordingly to the number of persons. Now, a lamb or a kid or a goat. They're talking about a sacrifice. They are being told to prep, to pray. Now listen, what has happened from the time Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh? There's been 10 plagues. Actually nine. Nine different plagues. Blood, boils, locusts, lice, all kinds of plagues. God is doing what? Is he trying to destroy the people? No, because his promise is to fulfill, to have them go into the Holy Land. What is going on with these plagues? The plagues are not sent to destroy. The plagues are sent to open your mind, open your eyes so you can see what is happening and where you need to go. Take your eyes off of the plagues and put them back on the throne. Is anybody hearing me today? See, all this stuff we're looking at right now, this is not for you to contemplate. It's not for you to be spending a bunch of time trying to figure out stuff, coming up with saying, trying to find out who's who's doing what. It is your job to know that the promise given will be the promise fulfilled. Put your eye back on Jesus because this thing is actually done. It's already over. But you... Can't be trapped in Egypt. You need to move. (laughs) You need to move. Let's read on just a little bit further. I hope this is making sense to you. And if the household is too small to consume the lamb, let him and his next door neighbor take it accordingly to the number of persons. So the lamb represents Jesus. So listen to me. (laughs) You're supposed to share Christ with everybody. You're supposed to share him. With who? Your next door neighbor. That means anybody, you are supposed to share Christ. But listen to me. You can't share something you don't actually know. The problem has been we have Bible study classes. People learn the written word on the page and never let that word come to light in their lives. They know the scripture, but they don't know the God of the scripture. Are you hearing me today? So when it says to eat, when it says to consume this lamb, this savior is supposed to be in us. And if he's in us, then he's going to direct us that we will not fail. And when it's in you, if you got too much shared with your neighbor, we're supposed to share Jesus. 
Now, we know how to share our denomination. We know how to share the address to our, quote, church. God wants you to share Jesus. Y'all still here today? Every man, according to what each can eat, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb or kid shall be without blemish, sounds like Jesus, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall each kill his lamb in the evening. They shall take of the blood and put it on the two sides posts and on the lintel above the door space of the house in which they shall eat the Passover lamb. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Without the blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So what's happening in this Egypt mentality? What's taking place right now? God is directing them to have faith in the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb is a continuation of his fulfilled promise. So he's asking you. <laughs> to have faith in the blood of the lamb. We're right in Egypt, right in the midst of death and pestilence and plagues and all of those situations. Right in the midst of that mess, those circumstances, he's asking you to place the blood of the lamb over your doorposts, over the lintels at your house, meaning your heart. He's asking you to have faith. Is the blood real? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood will never lose its power. Don't we sing those songs? I tap dance to them and hit tambourines and do all that stuff. And guess what? You sing a song sometimes that you don't believe because you don't know this God that Pharaoh didn't know. I'm asking you today, change your positioning. Change it. Because right in the middle of Egypt, Egypt, God has asked you right in the middle of mess, right in the middle of things that are out of control, right in the middle of these situations. He's asking you take your eye off the mess, put it on the blood, take your eye off the stuff and put it on the blood. Are y'all still here this morning? It says, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment, proving their what helplessness. I am the Lord. The blood shall be for a token or sign to you upon the doorposts of the houses where you are, that when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague shall be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Is there blood on your doorposts? Do you believe that there's blood on your doorposts? If you believe it, then you cannot be smited. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> Listen to me. Oh, Pastor Ben, you just make it sound so easy. I didn't say it was easy. I said it's true. A hundred percent true. 
right in Egypt, right in the middle of the mess, right in the middle of all of this craziness, what has God directed you to do? Put the blood of Jesus over your life. What am I asking you to do today? I'm asking you to believe what the word of God says. I'm asking you to stand on the truth. Oh, but this is going on and that's going on and and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. You know, listen, you can get on the Internet and find so many conspiracy theories that blow your mind. You don't think there was conspiracy theories theories in Egypt? Of course there were. There were all kinds of things going on because the status quo was being shaken. It's being challenged. It's being changed. But you've got to believe that God is taking you somewhere better. I said, you got to believe that God is taking you somewhere better. So what would be Pharaoh's concept? Pharaoh wants you to believe that if you leave Egypt, things are going to get worse. I said, if you leave Egypt, things are going to get worse. That's what Pharaoh would want you to believe. So what does he do? He adds to your burdens to try to keep your mind there. He adds to your circumstances to try to keep your mind there. And God is doing what? Have faith in the blood, brother. Sister, have faith in the blood. Is this making sense to anybody? How do we know how important this is? And this is the foreshadowing of the coming of Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 29. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and said, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What was Jesus referred to? The Lamb of God. What did they have to sacrifice in Egypt? The Lamb. What do you have to sacrifice today? What do you have to realize has been sacrificed for you today? Another verse. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm about to bring this thing to an end. It says, for Christ, the Messiah himself died for sins once for all. Christ, the Messiah himself died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. (laughs) Was that everybody in Egypt? Huh? The just for the unjust, the innocent for the guilty, that he might bring us where? To God. In his human body, he was put to death, but he was made alive in the spirit. To bring us where? To Canaan. To bring us where? To the land flowing with milk and honey. To bring us into this place of rest. To bring us into a relationship to God that we will never lose. That it will last forever. Are y'all here today? But there's the transition. You've got to believe this. Think about this. You're in Egypt. Moses gets this message from God. And he comes and tells you. Now these are people that are being oppressed. These are oppressors. These are taskmasters. He says, listen, God said... To take a lamb, kill it, put the blood over the doorpost, then cook it and make sure that you eat it all before the next day. Make sure you consume it all. If it's too much for you to consume, share it with your neighbor. Those are the instructions. I said those were the instructions. Did it sound crazy? Guess what? Those are the same instructions today. Believe in the blood of Jesus, man. Believe in it. And no matter what you're seeing, no matter what you've experienced, even though you've seen 10 plagues, uh, nine plagues, getting ready to see number 10, even though you've seen all of these things, still have faith in Moses. Still have faith in what he's telling you. Promise 
fulfilled. Promise fulfilled. Let me go to the, one more verse, and then we're going to close this thing out. It says, now the time the Israelites dwelt in Egypt was how long? 430 years. <laughs> Listen to me. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years, right? We don't, God doesn't have time. He don't have a calendar. God doesn't look at his calendar every morning and go, oh, it's August the 10th. He doesn't do that. He doesn't have one of those. Why? Because he lives outside of time. So God says, this is man's timing. Now the time the Israelites dwelt in Egypt was 430 years from the time promise given, promise fulfilled. At the end of the 430 years, even that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went wept out of Egypt. So they physically departed Egypt. Didn't mean they mentally or emotionally departed Egypt, but they physically did. So here's my point to you today. <laughs> A lot of us have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. And sometimes we do this almost like rote. We've memorized it or our church has taught it to us in a certain fashion or way. And we just say it. We just do it. And the saying and the doing of it, we try to make it seem as though it is now real. All of the Israelites left Egypt physically, but they didn't leave Egypt mentally or emotionally. So where are you today? Where are you mentally and emotionally today? See, you have the promise of God. You have all of his power, all of his might. You have everything. But still, you've confessed him as Lord and Savior. You now became left sinner. You have now became saint. And that transaction has taken place. But you don't understand your sainthood. You don't understand who you are. You don't understand how beautiful this is to be free of the Egypt mentality. You are no longer a slave. Sin has no control over you. The journey of your life has been sealed. It's been protected. His wings protect you. He is your refuge. He is your guide. You follow him. He takes care of you. So when the events that seem to surround you seem bigger than God, that's an Egypt mentality because there is nothing bigger than God. When you hear something that causes your knees to quiver because you think this event or these circumstances are going to win out, God wins. God always wins. So I'm asking you today, are you going to leave Egypt? <laughs> are you going to leave? Or are you going to stay? But I'm going to give you a clue. You can't go back to Egypt. You can't go back. No matter how hard you try, you can't go back because in a minute, Egypt will never be the same. Are y'all still here this morning? Egypt will never be the same.
as we move into the second part of this particular series, we will find out that Pharaoh made some decisions that caused Egypt to never be the same. It even lost its position geographically and historically because of this particular decision. But hear me, the children that left went to the promised land. I said the children who left went to the promised land. Y'all ready to leave Egypt? I pray God this has been helpful to you today. Come back next week and we're going to talk about the wilderness mentality. Boy, you talk about having some fun. We thank you for spending time with us today. As we close, I just want to share from my heart to you. God's promise can never be altered. It can never be delayed. It will be fulfilled for all of us. Let's move. Let's pack up. Grab your staff. (laughs) Tighten up your belt of truth. Put on your sandals, baby. And let's go. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you.